This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. <laughs> we got a film Friday for y'all. <laughs> it's not the one we planned on. Yeah, so um, here we are. We're doing a film Friday, but I really kind of screwed up this week. I accidentally uh, deleted our half mm. of our Ascension recording that we did with physicist Chris from Dash of Science podcast, mm-hmm. which um, <laughs> was an interesting thing to wake up to the other day. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, didn't follow my own cardinal rule, but no, uh, of no. exporting right away. Exactly. But, uh, Might have avoided this. Indeed, but... indeed. So lesson learned um, mm-hmm. in the podcasting realm. But we still wanted to bring you guys something, and we've been talking about doing this movie for a long time. Yes. So today we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, but for all of you that were really hoping for Ascension, that will be coming out in the next few weeks to a month. Definitely. Just depending on when we can reschedule that. 100%. Yeah. Let's get into it though, because there is a lot to talk about with this indie film. Sure, well, yeah. <laughs> indie. It's not an indie film, <laughs> but it's about an indie guy. Indiana film. Yeah, yeah. definitely the <laughs> polar opposite of an indie film. I wonder what the budget was actually. Oh, Lord. I didn't pull that up. 1981 is when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Obviously directed by none of them. Ooh, the Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, what, my favorite movie in the series too. Like I'll just say that right now, out of the three Indiana Jones movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like man, they kicked it off like really well with that trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the story begins though, not dealing with the Ark of the Covenant, which of course is this priceless object that he's going after. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the reason why we're doing this too. It's a bit of a tease for our patrons because we have uh, <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant as an episode coming out on Patreon this Oh, month. yes, we do. So, mm-hmm. But the movie starts with Indiana in South America. Um, when you watch, the, in the actual scenes itself, it just literally just says South America. Vague. Like, doesn't say where. <laughs> South America in um, 1936. Right. <laughs> That's all 1936. And Jungle. he's, he, yeah. <laughs> and he refers to this group there, the Jovitos. Mm. And again, we're, we're like, you still don't really know where the hell he is. Right. You get reference to like, what was it, like a poison dart or something exactly. in the tree? Or? Yeah, the guy tastes it. He's like, it's still fresh. Three yeah. days. Three days. That close. Three, three days, hey? Because yeah. then the other guy makes the comment. He's like, they're, ar- they, they're already watching us. But then the other guy says, oh, but if they were watching us, we'd already be dead. Yeah, exactly. But it turns it. out, so what I was mo- okay. The crux of like us talking about this movie is the is the historical accuracies. I feel like you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Like for us as like our show, yeah, right. Definitely. And that's like why people love this movie so much because a they hate not everyone hates Nazis. Everyone loves adventure and everyone loves Harrison Ford. Everyone, <laughs> loves, everyone loves the triumphal sort of adventure story. In Definitely, general. it's very all American, very Western Hollywood. Very in the best way, though. In the best way possible, right? Exactly. It's almost like the golden era of that sort of genre film before it kind of went into the sort of... What would you even call it? It's like almost like that... Um, the microscope of like, you know, academics and being like, this yeah. is all just one big celebration of colonialism and blah, 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 and whatever right. else you want to say. Humanist and whatever. But we love this movie. We do. We really <laughs> it's, do. It's great. And it actually does have a lot of historical accuracies. But mm-hmm. before we jump right into that, though, let's just do a quick run through the uh, 
character list, I guess. Even though it obviously is a massive cast. Mm -hmm. But just the main ones. Obvious, like, I always make fun of... (laughs) Well, not make fun. I poke fun at Amber for really loving Richard Gere. Like, how I love Richard Gere. But it really is just a joke. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) Um, Harrison Ford is my... Is my is my man crush in movies? You for have sure. so many man crushes. Well, what yeah. about the guy? Well, sure. What, what, like, about, what about the guy from Taboo? <laughs> you love oh that yeah, guy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's great as well. I mean, but at the tough, same time, you have so many man crushes. I can't actually think of a female lead that you really gravitate hmm. to. I know, right? It used to be Scarlett Johansson when I was in high school, and then that just <laughs> slipped away. Oh that really God. slipped away. Are you serious? Uh, well, I, I think I was just, that was a sort of just a generic <laughs> latch on to a, a blonde actress yeah. that you like when you're 16 years old. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Wow, I'm really revealing my true colors in this episode, aren't I? And I also, I apologize if I sound a little like Ray Romano today, because I'm a little mm. under the weather. I know, but, so uh, he's, he's a little nasally. A little nasally. I'm, I'm pretty okay i'm a little under the weather but You're we are better. in the process of moving too so apologies if the audio is a little bit echoey we do we not have, have our blanket fort no yes all packed away all right unfortunately so mm-hmm. sexiest man alive harrison ford indian jones and then you've got marion ravenwood uh his right. the daughter of his former mentor who's played mm-hmm. by karen allen and then Salah, who is indiana's friend who's mm-hmm. the egyptian digger in cairo uh played by john reese davies that name is really familiar. I can't remember. Where oh, he's else. in a like, ton in... of stuff. You know where? You know what he was in? We just watched recently. The again, God, showing our true colors. Not that we haven't had a million murder she wrote references in this show, <laughs> but he was in an episode we just watched recently oh. where they're in like uh, New Orleans, like the voodoo episode. Oh my God! He plays the dad. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, yep, totally. Mm-hmm. So familiar. Oh my God! And then one of my favorite characters he's in the in movie, Gimli, too, in Lord of the Rings. Sorry, he was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was no in... way. He was the voice of Treebeard. Oh, sorry, sorry. He was Gimli, and then he was the voice of Treebeard. Oh, okay. Treebeard. Treebeard. <laughs> Treebird. Treebird. <laughs> Combination of two local breweries here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he was one of my favorite characters in this movie, John Reese davies Salah. He's so funny, Indiana's friend. He's, he is. He's such a good character. Then we got Rene Baloche, the French archaeologist and the arch nemesis of mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, who always seems to be stealing his thunder and literally stealing the artifacts he finds. So this is played by Paul Freeman. Oh, this is tough, oh, actually, because I love Major Arnold Thought, the guy who gets his face melted. Everyone knows this. Yep. Um, played mm-hmm. by Ronald Lacey. And super interesting character. Almost a Himmler-esque look mm-hmm. he's given to him. Those little and, uh, glasses. Yeah, the round glasses and just being sent around to find the artifacts, right? Like, he's yes. the artifact guy. He is. He's, like, the hardcore badass guy right. that you don't want to... He's always wearing his uniform, too. Always. He's like... got the... It's like the 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 leather duster. <laughs> and he's still wearing it like in the desert too. Yeah. It's like you're wearing a black leather oh. duster in the desert. I don't even want to know what kind of swass is going on oh, there. Oh dear. Oh good heavens. <laughs> Swooping and swassing all over oh, the place. Oh man, you're mm. going to need the ark for all kinds of miracles after that. So, okay. I did want to get into this though. So, okay, it starts in South America, like we said, mm-hmm. but it has absolutely no bearing to the rest of the story other than the introduction of Beloche or Belloc, this, um, oh, yeah. the, uh, this French archaeologist mm-hmm. who's the perfect villain, and you get this epic laugh at the beginning, the, that first scene, oh, right? So awesome. Perfect. But really interesting, though, um, the Jovitos in the film are actually based off of a very real native population that lived in the Andes of Peru, mm-hmm. and this was prior to Spanish conquest. So they were known as the Warriors of the Clouds. Um, their actual name was, I'm going to try my best to pronounce this, the Chachopoyans. Chachopoyans. 
Is that close? I think that's, oh, that's pretty, pretty close. close. Mm-hmm. Anyway, these people lived in these crazy high altitudes of the Andes, farmed and lived amongst this lush vegetation, so they were a very real basis for this remote group. They were basically wiped out, though, sometime after 1450. The mm-hmm. Inca basically consumed their society, um, and then very quickly after that, the Spanish obviously wiped out the Inca. But more or less, uh, there wasn't an actual gold idol that we know of in their mythology. Okay. But it is portrayed in the movie apparently as a fertility idol, um, according to this one uh, article that I pulled up, which I thought was kind of interesting because the face is depicted as like this teeth bearing head with hair kind of weird looking it's hard to make out what it looks like it's almost like some sort of folklore creature yeah like it's a deity of some kind obviously almost like totem pole-esque features where it's like embellished right yeah but um anyway i just wanted to throw that in there as a fun little tidbit of info because it's based off of very real people Mm -hmm. and sets the stage for him and like his you know (laughs) the whole narrative right because indy he's just like so badass like even i just love how the first sort of shot the close-up you get of him when he's in the jungle like that is obscured you get this shot several times throughout several points of this film yeah but it's just so badass it's like basically just silhouette you get the classic hat and then you get him sort of turn and then you get the eye and it's just like this (laughs) oh you're just like yes this is amazing right after he because like he takes the his classic whip it's like you know it's right hand man so to speak and just like whoosh, gets the gun right out of that guy's hand right who was that guy anyway he was just betraying them in the moment like, yeah he was just, just like there, a guy that decided dumb. to yeah screw him over is what it seemed like because you didn't get a name for that character no you don't and at that point they haven't actually he didn't even say that this is the spot this is where we need to be like no. he didn't even say that so it's like what is your what is your modus operandi with that you're just gonna shoot him and just I hope think, that you're there i know right like i guess they say that they think they're close because they find the darts. So he thinks he doesn't need so them he's like, anymore. Okay, we're close. So he's like, gonna steal the map and then just take off. I um, suppose so. Not the best plan. A nefarious character, to say the least. And then what happens to him? He literally just runs away, doesn't he? Yeah, he runs away and doesn't make it very far because right. uh, he gets cap. He gets captured by Balak, who mm-hmm. manages to. He speaks the language somehow. Somehow, um, yeah. Which is interesting Very because accomplished. he's got just think this. Well, he's not. He's a British actor, but in the movie, he's got this thick French accent, mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem the type that would really. Oh, Paul Freeman. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. a, he is one of my favorite characters, though. He's such a great villain. And I have a question for you at the end, like favorite scene, but I have a few, so I'll just throw it out now. Yeah. So epic at the beginning when he just has that laugh. So Indy's getting away, <laughs> and he does that, like. The, uh, the throat cuttings, mm. uh, you know, sign to the Jovitos, mm. and they go chasing after him, and they just are the worst bow and arrow shooters in the entire uh, world seemingly. in the movie. Yeah, the um, North Sentinelese <laughs> would be like, like, you guys are just doing oh, it all the, wrong. Oh, man, the North Sentinelese would really, mm. yeah, they, these guys can't hold a candle to the North Sentinelese. <laughs> you literally, like, have it, like, some guy goes and lines up an arrow to try to shoot at Indy, and he just points it straight up in the air and shoots it, like, <laughs> straight in the air. It's like, yeah, I don't know if that one's going to ma- be very close buddy but yeah uh, anyway. it depends on the range i guess if he's going right. for the high arc and then he's just <laughs> right right through the skull like you yeah. know i don't know yeah what's your question though oh uh, well i it was uh, i was gonna save it for the end just the, the oh, favorite, the favorite scene the favorite scene but well I, you can tell me at the end i've oh, okay. got multiple though so I, actually that's a good thing that you pose that now so i can kind of think there about you go it a little bit there further. you go um I really enjoyed the end of that scene too, the opening sequence, because it's just that classic. You get, you get Indy swinging in onto the plane, like yeah, just the, so... the vine, like he's like freaking Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> so and you, I mean, they do obviously they emphasize all the 
like, what's the word? Like quintessential aspects of the character in that first part of the scene, right? The mm-hmm. whip, yeah. the hat, it's the, very the, the leather jacket, yes. the um, all the tropes, all of it, all mm-hmm. of the tropes the of Indiana Jones, exactly, mm-hmm. and all the things you find in the gift shop at Disneyland oh, yeah. or the Indiana Jones shop, right? And mm-hmm. when I was there when I was a kid, damn, did I ever want that hat? Mm-hmm. I wanted the whip so bad, and they had it. And you it was were even like, saying that at the end of the film this time around, you're like, I wish I could just wear that hat. Well. <laughs> I wish it was socially acceptable, you know? Yeah. Like back in the day when everyone had hats. Not everyone the had cool hats. No. You know? Ah oh, man. Different time. Different time. It's really stupid. Now we've just downgraded to baseball caps. Yeah. And most of the people that wear them have never even played baseball. <laughs> Large <laughs> you know what I'm majority. Saying? Or any sport for that matter. <laughs> any, any sport anyway. at all. Let's get back to the actual like plot here though. Let's so, do it. Okay. Alright. So basically when the actual arc comes into play, mm-hmm. the these army intelligence officers come to speak with Indiana at the university. Yeah. So they come to speak with him and Marcus Brody, who's the director of antiquities for Mm -hmm. the, uh, I can't remember what the museum is actually called. Oh, they just refer to it as the museum of antiquities. Yeah. They are in America though. Yeah. And we don't know what state are we in. I think he's in Washington. I feel like it says DC in that first scene. Probably. Like, like, even at the end scene, right, when he goes to that final meeting with the same people from the beginning. Right. And then he walks down those stairs, and, like, I feel like that is definitely in D.C. That's, like, an epic set of stairs. Like, or maybe it's Philadelphia. I don't know. It's somewhere on the East Coast, Major, definitely. totally. Yeah, one yeah. of those sort of founding cities. But this mm-hmm. is interesting, right, because this is before the war. Um, but obviously, you know, the Western al- allies are watching the Nazi regime very closely. Oh, yeah. It's 36. In the 30s, right? So 36. This is, so this is getting to the point where they're, like... Yeah. Almost at the point where they're like, all right, this guy is definitely tipping over the edge and probably someone's going to have to do yeah, something about Probably this. should have done something about it a few years earlier. I, I believe actually by this point, it could be 37, um, but I'm pretty sure they started that policy. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was basically the policy of appeasement mm. where they <laughs> gifted Hitler with the things that he wanted. Yeah. Uh, what was what was first? Was it the annexation of Poland? I believe it was. And they were just like, you know what? Just take it. Maybe. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, and like Britain be- signed off. They're like, okay, maybe you'll stop now. But no, he didn't. Yeah. It might not have been Poland, though. That might have actually been No, no, been no. I was something. Yeah, no, because he just straight up invaded Poland. That was how yeah. the war started. That's true. Yeah. There was another small state that he just kind of usurped and they were like, sure. oh, was it Austria? Like- I think it was Austria. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. You anyway, got to brush up remember. on our World War II history. Oh right? my God. I feel so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's interesting though, because it was before the war, but these army intelligence guys are obviously like, yeah, intercepting these German communiques. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, what's interesting to me about this is like, why are they, they're coming to to Indiana Jones for two reasons, right? Like, one, there's a mention of a U.S. citizen, this Abner Ravenwood. Mm-hmm. So, like, in my mind, there's two questions. It's like, are they genuinely concerned that there's, like, treason happening here, that there's an American archaeologist working for the Germans? Mm-hmm. And why would that be a major focus of army intelligence? Because he's not really linked to the military. He's not He's not giving away state secrets, right? He doesn't. He's not a politician. He's not any of these things. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side is it, of it would be, are they genuinely concerned about this language and then the Nazis digging for like something, quote unquote, in Cairo, because they don't know at this point what they're looking for. They're and just, then, they're just concerned in general, I think, because of the, just the general threat of the Nazi regime. Right. But it's just the language of the message. It's just so, I mean, obviously it works for the plot of the story and that's what it's for. Exactly. But it's just, I don't know. What Kickstarts do you, things. Yeah. Well... Yeah, that is actually kind of interesting because, like, this whole character... What's his name again? Redwood? Or Ravenwood. 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 
Like, he obviously is, like you said, he's not a politician. He is someone high up in his own field of archaeology. Ergo, like, you know, the Nazis, they had their own agenda and their own policy of of, uh, of pursuing these um, archaeological sort of means to justify their regime in general yes. and their um, ideology. ideology, sorry. Um, yeah, but that is an interesting thought. Just, like, in what way, in what purpose... I honestly think it doesn't even matter, right? If you have an American citizen participating with not a sworn enemy because you're not at war right now uh, or yet, but it still is concerning, right, for state security to have someone that is a high up in a university in any establishment or institution, right, to be in communications. Or was he actually in communications or were they just mentioning that they wanted to track him down? I think they were just mentioning him. So the, so okay. the message they read was um, Tannis Development Proceeding um, Locate Headpiece Staff of Raw Abner Ravenwood US. Mm, okay, um, so his name is literally just mentioned there. It's not right. as if it was a communication between right. him and the Nazis. Because at this point, we don't actually know it, but Abner is actually dead. Right. Um, exactly. He's, he's been... Murked. Oft, yeah. Um, before and, and and obviously Indiana finds this out when he goes looking for Miriam mm-hmm. to try to find the headpiece. So he yeah. accepts this mission essentially, right? Yeah. Um, which is pretty insane. And like, I guess before yeah. we really get into it, though, actually, we should mention a few of these other things. Oh, yeah. Well, we we did want to just dive into some of this, the more um, historical facts regarding the craziness of the search. <laughs> like, well, exactly, right? Because this is documenting like this film documents something that the nazis were actually doing in practice in history and we've referenced them repeatedly like you know like the amber room is a great example of that the nazi bell like the astonishing legends they did a great series on that yes um and then just in general like you know like it's just a perversion of the archaeological record like i said right to support their ideology and this actually reached as far as like tibet right like they were going all over the world trying to prop up their um historical basis for like the Aryan master race or whatever. Right. And that's actually a funny connection. You mentioned to, that you wrote that in here, reached mm-hmm. as far as Tibet, because that's that first scene when we get that interaction yeah. with Nazis, it's in Nepal. Exactly. Which is really cool. Yeah. That's actually, I didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> serendipity. <laughs> oh yeah. Serendipity. But, um, yeah. So uh, there was an actual Nazi, it, it was referred to as an elite Nazi research Institute. I just sounded like, uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> oh my god. Fat Nazis. Fat Nazis. So anyways. Um, and this institute or program or whatever you want to call it was called the Ananerby. And I'm totally saying that in an Americanized way. I'm okay, sorry, okay. but that's that was the pronunciation I got from uh, uh, Google yeah. pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, Google exactly. Translate. But AKA, this is just the Nazi Paranormal Research Corps is kind of how you can refer to it because they were going all out balls to the wall with all sorts of crazy shit like (laughs) that no one no one else was really entertaining anyways and i came across this book it's called um hitler's willing archaeologists um and it was by a lady named heather pringle and she kind of gets into how the ss perverted the paleolithic record this is a quote to support nazi ideology right all right so i'll just read out a little brief thing um that i picked up from her and basically yeah it's just describing what this institute was all about okay so, essentially, the official mission of the Ananerbi was to unearth, this is a quote, unearth new evidence of the accomplishments and deeds of the German ancestors using exact scientific methods. That was the sort of layout, how they kind of sold it to the German people. Okay. But, this is a quote, in reality, the Ananerbi was in the business of myth-making. 
its prominent researchers devoted themselves to distorting the truth and churning out carefully tailored evidence to support the ideas of Adolf Hitler, Hmm. who believed that the only Aryans, a fictional Nordic, in quotes, race of tall, flaxen-haired men and women from Northern Europe, possessed the genius needed to create civilization. Most modern Germans, he claimed, were descended from these ancient Aryans, but scholars had failed to uncover any proof of such a master race lighting the torch of civilization and giving birth to all the refinements of human culture. The answer to this problem, in Himmler's mind, lay more in German scholarship, scholarship of the right political stripe. So he created the NNRB, which he conceived of as a research organization brimming with brilliant mavericks and brainy young upstarts who would publicly unveil a new portrait of the ancient world, one in which the Aryans would be seen coining civilization and bringing to light the inferior or bringing light to the inferior races just as hitler claimed hmm. end quote interesting so, yeah that's kind of an int- i love the language of that like the brilliant mavericks and the briny young upstarts and all these people that could just be used by yeah. the regime and coerced into producing the types of things that they wanted them to produce and that's where we see um this is kind of where that character comes in right in indiana jones he is one of these people he, well yeah. He's not like, you know, like he's not German, which is a big difference. And he's not a Nazi, which is a big difference too. But he is full of ambition in his own regard, as we see in the first scene, right? Belloc is who you're referring Belloc, to, right? yes, the, the Frenchman. The Frenchman, yeah. And ultimately, I guess, Indy's foil, so right. to speak. Um, the, yeah. ir- the irony for, Bel- for Belloc in all of this is that he really is um, lining himself up for like being prosecuted for treason, right? Because obviously France was a member of the Allies or True. the the, uh, the uh, yeah, Western the Allies, Allies yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this and is ni- this is now 1937, <laughs> like right mm-hmm. now. Thir- oh, no, it's 1938 actually, I believe. This is like right before the oh. war when they're actually in Egypt digging. I'd okay. have to triple check on that. Mm-hmm. So 1936 when he's in South America, goes back home continues on with this later so we're ticking down real close to the war here and that's a risky business for a french archaeologist yeah but he's he's not even really an archaeologist he's just a looter really he's he he masquerades as an archaeologist but he sells his um items on the black market like Mm. indy makes that comment at the beginning he's like there's only one place where he can sell that gold head in marrakesh Mm -hmm. i need a ticket to marrakesh Mm. um love it (laughs) (laughs) so but there were other crazy things that the nazis were searching for too right so i had a a little list here the holy grail is probably the next most significant religious artifact or just artifact Mm -hmm. in general that potentially is still out there besides the ark of the covenant they also were searching for the Spear of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, there What's were s- that one from? That's that a real good question, actually. That's so familiar, but I I literally know nothing about that. And there's, that just makes me want to watch The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, With my Jack God. Black. That's totally what I was yeah, thinking Tenacious of. Yeah, Tenacious D. Love oh, it. that's great. Um, I think they were also looking for the um, Elixir of Life, too. Oh, God. They, they were mm-hmm. looking for all this stuff, right? Yeah. Anything that could, yeah, like you just referred to there, like, reaffirm his beliefs in this mythical Aryan race and or help them win the war. And that's mm-hmm. what they were that's the message in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? That the Ark was carried before the Hebrews and laid waste to entire armies and <laughs> you know, like its powers are not of this earth is right. how it's referred to as how Saul refers to it in the Divine powers. Divine powers. Mm. We're left with this question as whether or not the Ark itself was believed to have power, in, you know, embedded with pow- the power of God, or if it was a transmitter 
So the, the Ark itself has no power. It's just a box laden mm-hmm. with gold. And that it literally was like a walkie-talkie with, <laughs> like, almost, like, in a way. Right? It's like a, a spiritual medium object. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So where are we at here? Well, let's get into some of the... Okay, like, I'm actually more curious about these, yeah, these mythical powers and stuff. Like, we do get reference, like, Indiana, he at one point has that... Um, it's like an illustration of sorts in some crazy antiquated book, whatever. Yeah. And, he, and they see the lightning arc coming from the from the box, and and exactly like you said, like laying waste to what is it, the Babylonians or something like that. I don't yeah, know. and like the guys <laughs> ask him, they're like, "What's that? Like, what's this?" And in Indiana, like so he's like, "Lightning, fire, the power of God, or something." Exactly. Like, doesn't even know. Exactly, and, and I mean, he doesn't give any credence to it initially. No, he doesn't really buy into. It. He fights it, right? Like in all three movies, well, more so in the the you know the first and third because mm. they're related to like Christianity. But he's fighting back and forth with this. He's clearly a believer, but he's also kind of agnostic at the same time. Well, he's a believer in, a in the history way. of it, right? Exactly. He's like, oh, I don't believe in a bunch of superstitious hocus pocus. Like, mm-hmm. you know what a cautious fellow I am, and tosses his gun into his case. Well. <laughs> I mean, tosses the, his gun. Right, the, the good old days when you could just throw your revolver in your carry-on and just walk on a plane and no big deal, right? No but at the same deal. time, nobody was hijacking planes back then either. Ah, yeah. Oh, man. Mm. The, good old, the, the good old safe 1930s, huh? <laughs> oh, man. So what else? Okay, oh. I can list a few other things that yep. this arc did, though, right? So not yeah. only did it lay waste to armies and things like that, but it obviously helped the Hebrews actually journey through the desert for 40 years. Mm. So Is that the timeline? A 40 years? I believe that was the timeline. Oof. It prevented, it like prevent, it repelled dangerous animals. Mm-hmm. It prevented like locust swarms and things like that. It would, <laughs> it stopped the river Jordan from moving when they crossed it. What? Is one of the legend. Like the water flows stopped so that they could, so it wouldn't wash them away. Wow. Um, it helped them besiege Jericho. It was the reason why they were able to defeat the Canaanites and, and the walls of Jericho came down. Was it around when they did cross the Red Sea and then Moses ends up, remember the whole thing where it it goes back on the Egyptians and... You know what? Actually, we need to, yeah, there's some timeline. I'm not sure. I think that in the book of Exodus, the, the or the, um, yeah, the Ark is constructed after that. Um, on Mount Sinai, Moses is constructed, instructed to build the ark out of Acadia wood Mm -hmm. or acacia wood, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and carry the 10 commandments in it. Right. Um, along with a few other items like this, what's it called? There was this, Ooh, I have it in the other document for our, for our full length episode, but like, Oh, the manna, this like food that God supposedly gave to the Hebrews to help them survive through the desert. And there's this speculation as to what that was like caraway seeds or like, um, this weird dew that would form. And then there would be like, um, these microorganisms that would live in it and that they would like live off that in the desert. And it was like this weird microclimate stuff. Do you remember that story when we covered the lore of the Gollum? And there was one story in particular that was from one of the books from the Torah or something like that. And it was depicting it was like the legend of i can't remember how many it was like a group of israelites or something and they were like in the desert and they were in a cave or something and they ended up making an animal out of clay to eat you remember oh, that yeah. i don't i don't think there's reference to the manna but i don't know maybe is the manna the actual food itself or is it like the power imbued in it it's or the like actual the... food itself but oh, okay. we just don't know what it is so it could be mystical right it's in the ark so okay. it presumably has these mystical properties and the hmm. manna, we haven't covered this on the show, but obviously we're familiar with that from another 
mystical source, the Rapa Nui on Easter Island. Right. Um, it's a different yeah. association, but they talk about the mana as this mystical force that helped them actually move those massive stone heads on Easter Island. Right. Anyway, just kind of an interesting connection there, possibly in terms of like the linguistic connection. That is actually really interesting. The lost tribes of Israel, maybe they pass by Easter Island. Maybe they did. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So can we get to the scene where um, Indiana Jones meets up with Marion? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because <laughs> that scene is amazing too. I love, I love how it starts with her with the drinking contest, and yeah. everyone's just like you know passing money around. Bets are going everywhere, which way? Yeah. And then she that really ties into the final sort of sequence, right? In in the climax of the movie, because of her high tolerance for right. liquor, but she's a very good actor or actress, I should say. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. We use actor now. Eh, it's generic now. Exactly. But I love that scene too because it's very much exactly that. Like golden age Hollywood. There's so much going on. Like in every single scene of these movies, that's exactly it, right? It's yeah. just like, it feels like a whole bustling like play. You yeah. know what I mean? But just done up to the nines. Like yeah, just totally. no, no expense spared, so to speak, you know, or effort spared. And so you get this whole awesome scene and then... What happens? Like, Indiana, he makes this, like, amazing entrance. Well, he shows up first and is just chatting with her. Then he leaves to come back later because she's okay. pissed, right? Okay. So it wasn't the entrance. It was the exit. And that's yeah. where we get that another scene where it's, like, this epic where he, like, he does his, like, classic turn, turn over the shoulder, and you get, like, the one eye, and it's all just, like, him in shadows, like, yeah. silhouetted. And you're just like, damn, you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he leaves, and then the bad guys come. That's right. That's when we get Major Arnold Thoth. Or Thoth. Thoth. Is that what it is? I think Arnold it's Arnold Thought, T H O T. Who's the creepiest looking dude in yeah. the world? Amazing. Best fit for that character. <laughs> um, Great. And he has that line where he's like, let me show you what I am used to, or whatever. Mm, and then he's like, yeah. And he grab, grabs her and they slam her onto the yeah. bar. No um, time for niceties with that guy. She, I really, really enjoyed, like, Miriam is one of my favorite characters, too. I mean, all the main characters are awesome, but, like, her as an actress, I just really enjoy her. And she makes an appearance in the fourth one, the reboot with Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Um, right. She's the, his mom. That's right. Yeah. Um, I really love that line, though. I feel like some people might think this is cheesy, but when Indiana leaves, when she tells him to get out of here and come back tomorrow, mm-hmm. and she's clearly drunk from mm-hmm. the con- from her contest drinking contest and she just has that line where she's like ha like see you tomorrow indiana jones and it's just like Mm -hmm. so like sarcastic but like Mm -hmm. still like lamenting the past and it's it's just loaded with emotion i love that line bitter yeah Yeah. for that whole thing it is kind of funny though because they have this history and you're like well wait a second how young were you actually when all this was going down because i don't know they make it seem as if she was like you know like quite young like maybe like 15 or something or like you know and then he's like obviously older than her because the insinuation is that he took advantage of the situation because of her dad being his mentor and all this kind of stuff there's definitely an age gap there is an age gap of course and then so she's had what like probably like 15 years plus to stew over this and then he maybe just that long something like that yeah at least that i would imagine and then because she always she makes the point of saying like i always knew you'd come through that door one day like Never knew when, but yeah. and here she's just sitting in a <laughs> owned a bar in Tibet. Like that is the most random ass thing I've ever. But it's right. really cool. And then of course by uh, the end of the scene, uh, the entire thing is burnt down, yeah. and her entire prospects are gone with it. So <laughs> she becomes his partner. I love how she is. She maintains a sense, or 
a level of duplicity, right? Because she doesn't tell him that she has the artifact. She's literally wearing it on her neck. Yeah. And then exactly that, like three seconds later, the bad guys stomp through the door and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another part about that scene that I really enjoyed was um, the burning of the guy's oh, palm, yeah. the Toth or yeah. whatever his name is. Yeah. Thought? Arnold, Thought. Major Arnold, Major Arnold Thought. Yeah, <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, and he like it's this like you see it and like when was that when they're in the desert? It's like mm-hmm. quite a bit further into the film, and then you just get his hand, his palm up to the camera, and you're like, yeah. okay, burnt into his hand. Yeah, it's like the mission's been burned into his soul or something yeah. like that. He's not getting out alive, you know. Oh no, you, <laughs> you know he's gonna get the worst of it, and he really <laughs> does get the worst of it. I just love. I want to know who was responsible for those special effects. Oh <laughs> man, they're amazing. They're so great, right? And <laughs> <laughs> they're they're they have just that retro quality now when you watch it and yep. it's just so 80s love it reminds me of reanimator or something it does. like that right yeah oh yeah um, same sort of quality another interesting point about that scene um in the bar uh the there's some things i noticed that were just like from a cinematic perspective were kind of funny like when indiana shoots his gun mm-hmm. it's way louder than the other guns mm-hmm. like it's way it's a it's a different not even louder but deeper it's more of a boom 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 sound like this like the big american gun right like mm-hmm. boom, boom. Whereas the German guns have a higher pitch sound, like throughout the entire movie, if you if you the scenes where Indi- Indiana's shooting, mm-hmm. it's much more of a boom, which is Never kind of interesting. That. Yeah, um, really like you know emphasizing American muscle, obviously, mm-hmm. and like power and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was one other thing about that scene I can't remember, so we can come back. But anyway, let's get back to the Ark. So they end up discovering that the Nazis are searching for the lost Ark of the Covenant in Tanis, the ancient Egyptian city of Tanis. So this is where Indy and his friend Sala actually end up locating the Well of the Souls because they he ends up, of course, partnering with Miriam. Right. He gets the headpiece. They replicate the staff, although they never actually... Actually, okay, there's <laughs> markings on the exterior of the headpiece, and I guess that's what gives them the staff height and all that kind of stuff mm, to use, right? Okay, must be. The city of Tanis, the real one, um, was discovered by a guy named Pierre uh, Montet in 1939, mm. and I think it was 1140 BCE. I have to triple check. I think it was 1140. It became the de facto capital of Egypt at, for a time, Tanis, in northern Egypt. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Just a fun fact. So again, some historical accuracies to it. Yeah. There is reference to an Egyptian pharaoh in the 900s BCE um, taking the Ark back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. That isn't referenced in any of the other books of the Torah. So not in Exodus, not in you know the book of Jeremiah or whatever the mm-hmm. other ones are. There's different versions almost in each one of them as to where it ended up. What? So, um, like, just to add to the confusion. Yeah, like in some, it's talking about how it was snuck out of the Temple of Solomon before the Babylonian siege. Mm-hmm. Others talk about how it was stolen in 593 by the Babylonians during the siege of Tol- Solomon Solomon's <laughs> Temple. <laughs> Solomon's <laughs> Temple, right? Um, so that is the big question: Where the hell is it? But in Raiders, it's in Egypt. So they're going with the more ancient version of when it disappeared, like 400 years before the Babylonian siege of uh, Jerusalem. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. Interesting, yeah. Because, yeah, there is that other... Wait a second. Where does that come in where it's like after that, after it's taken to Egypt, there's the other version where it's taken from Egypt right. and taken somewhere else. Yeah, like it could have gone from Egypt oh, to, to Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Right, that was yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. And now, today, that's one of the alleged final resting places, right? In our Church of Mary of Zion in Ethiopia, I think it's called. Right, they have. And they claim to have it in the basement, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the Their version of the Holy of Holies, which was the room in King Solomon's temple that it was kept, mm-hmm. and only one priest would be allowed to go in once a year to pray with the ark and then leave. <laughs> you know, 
That would be a perfect mission for Ant-Man. Oh, yes. To go and infiltrate the St. Mary, whatever the hell temple that is that you just said. Yeah. And go and see if they actually have this freaking Ark, man. Because I want to know. Whatever the hell temple it is. It's like <laughs> you and I walk in there, we just burst into flames. Jeez. Oh, There's no way we... <laughs> Just strike me down now. (laughs) Good heavens, right? So, okay. So they end up, they get the Ark, they lift it up, Mm -hmm. him and Sal find it. But then, of course, foiled again. Belosh. Belok. Again? And uh, they get locked down in the Well of the Souls. Right. This is a weird part, because they escape quite easily Mm -hmm. from this Well of the Souls. How do they do that again? Um, Well, he knocks over a statue into the wall where these snakes are coming into the... Right? Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very f- done for cinematic effect, obviously, right? Like, yeah. snakes wouldn't be going in there. No. Ever. Um, there'd be no reason for them to. They'd be, they wouldn't be going it's in more there. more just like a weird um, symbol of, like, uh, I don't even know. It's, like, it's a symbol, but it's also, it's, it's kind of a weird symbol, though, isn't it? Because, because the Ark of the it's Covenant is be... this religious artifact yeah. instructed to be built by God, and then it's surrounded by the one piece of imagery that is, like, very. linked to like satan now but like evil before satan was mm-hmm. you know well but that's interesting because you could say that evil does lurk in the lands of god right because even in uh, the garden of eden for example the serpent was present true so it's not as if he can just <laughs> say bye bye i suppose maybe that is the message then it's there's so many snakes around because there this object mm-hmm. is the pinnacle of the holy of holies exactly. so its juxtaposition is the exact opposite and those that are unworthy the temptation is always there right so maybe that's that's Ooh. why the snakes are present is to kind of well and of course we know that. that indiana jones hates snakes well that's the other part <laughs> so of that's it too. the other part of it too right <laughs> yeah. um which we don't actually know why until the third movie exactly which we'll have to cover on film friday too i love it's that scene. loaded with historical on the train when too. he's like out, out running those guys yeah. he's like 15 <laughs> i know right so much fun okay let's so get to the end let's just our thoughts and stuff I mean, sure. Well, some... okay. So they end up escaping from that thing, and yeah. then there's this whole shindig where he ends up finding Marion because he thinks she's dead, right? Because of that whole chase scene and the explosion and well, okay, so like they find Marion before the Well of the Souls stuff. That's he true. thinks she's dead because they're in Egypt. He's running. They're running away from the Nazis chasing after them in the streets of Cairo, mm-hmm. and she ends up on a truck that explodes. He, right. he, or he thinks it's the truck that mm-hmm. she's on, right? Of course it's not, because the baskets got switched. Mm-hmm. Shows she, it's a miracle that he runs into her in that tent. I know, right? Like, it's <laughs> a, of all had... the tents out there, like, come on, come on. <laughs> I know, there's like a million of them. Yeah, meant to be, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so then that happens, but then he realizes, he's like, shoot, I actually have to leave you here. Like, apologies, but I'll come back to you later. <laughs> sorry, no, And then, sorry. where do they go? They're on the top of that mount, and yes. then that's where they end up going into the well of the souls, yes, right? And yes. I loved that scene where it was like very much it reminded me of Ghostbusters, actually, because you get like this like lightning and the storm brewing in the sky and this big swirly thing and the clouds and whatever else. And then, and then when they actually end up un- lifting up the huge stone lid, yeah, you get this image of what was it? It was like an Egypt. No, it was an Egyptian, like um, like a dog. Oh shoot! I know who that is. I can't off the top of my head now. I can't remember. You know, like the the dog face. Nubis, isn't it? The jackal. Oh, the jackal. Is that who it is? Okay. Because sure. there was that one guy that had the dog head, and he was like the the reader of the script, um, leading into like the underworld. Are you or sure, something? that's. I don't even know. Well, Thoth is the underworld guy. That's mm-hmm. the bird. Oh, and he's face. got the falcon. The, like yeah. the the 
the pointy the yeah. falcon guy right the pointy falcon dude. pointy falcon guy but okay so then they get that imagery i just really liked that scene how dramatic it was and the fact that indy's just like <laughs> watching over everyone he's not participating <laughs> in the effort he's just like waiting he's just got his like teeth bared he's like oh i gotta get it it's like a kid on christmas morning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then okay so then we get that whole run in and everything but then we get to this epic sort of final sequence, I guess, hey? Yeah, like, I mean, obviously... Actually, there's, like, two or three. We're kind of skipping... Yeah, I mean, you th- almost think that that's going to be, if you haven't ever seen the movie, like, you would almost think that that's getting towards the end there. Like, they find the Well of the Souls, but then him and Marion, of course... Like, Marion ends up getting pushed down in there with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Nazis now have the Ark, and the whole movie is just filled up with, like, crazy action, right? Yeah. Like, we're mostly just talking about the his- historical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um but, okay, let's get back to that then. So they escape from the Well of the Souls by knocking over a statue of, like, the Nubis jackal-headed mm. statue thing that yeah. you're referencing because they realize snakes are getting in. <laughs> this is so funny because they knock over the wall and then they end up exiting through an already excavated, like, building. Like, they, they push a block oh, out of the yeah. wall and then they, they walk out of what was already there. It's like, so, so you guys already excavated an entranceway. Mm-hmm. You go in it. There's a dead end, but there's a bunch of holes in the wall and snakes going in it. And you don't, and you don't ask any questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, you guys should have found the Well of the Souls a long time ago yeah. um, without the staff. Mm-hmm. If you found, right? So that part was a little bit kind of funny. But of course, they have to get out somehow. True. Let's jump to the end. Let's, let's do it. Let's jump to the end. Jumping. So they have this crazy chase scene. He's still just trying to find the ark, trying to get to the ark. Mm-hmm. They end up, he ends up threatening to blow it up. Mm-hmm. Belloc calls his bluff. Yeah. Um, they end up captured once again. How many times does he get captured in this movie? Him and, uh, At least half Him and Miriam. Anyway. <laughs> but he, he realizes that he has to close his eyes when they decide to open the ark. And like Belloc convinces the German commander to, who's in charge at the time, I can't remember his name, oh, yeah. to open it before they send it back to Berlin. Right. He's basically saying like, you don't want to send it all the way back to Berlin to have him open it and it's empty or there's no, none of the treasures in there at all. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he believes they're in there. He's, he just wants to see, right? Yeah. He's just convincing them just to see it. So they lift it off and it's full of sand. Mm-hmm. And then this is where that, the major Arnold is like mm-hmm. not at all like the Himmler character. Cause he starts to laugh. He's like laughing hysterically. Unless at he's just laughing because he's insane. And he's like, oh, ever, oh my God, everything. And I'm just no, going crazy. I don't think so. He's laughing because it's sand. He's like, oh, like all this for nothing. Like for he's basically sand, like, because yeah. he's clearly not religious. Obviously. True, true. But then this is where it gets weird. And like, this is what I wanted to talk about with you. And I have some questions for you. Like, all right. because the, this idea of the Ark, like, what is it holding? There's no commandments in there. There's no jar of mana. Nope. There's no other objects, ritual objects of any kind. There's sand, and then that slowly turns into, like, this portal. Mm-hmm. It looks like a portal to another world. It almost starts to, like, like look misty. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. all these spiritual, these spirits come out. All these, like, yeah. ghost-like spectral entities start flying around. Yeah. That's weird to me. Why is that? It is almost like a mix-up between the uh, Ark of the Covenant and the, like, uh, Pandora's box, right? Yeah. Because that's maybe that's what they're trying to imply, is that they've literally just opened up Pandora's box here, and there's no going back, essentially. Right. The, I have a question for you, though. Like, how does Indy know to keep his eyes closed? Instinct, I guess. I mean, I... Like, I'm, where he maybe he read it somewhere along the way or something? I suppose... Because he is the expert on this stuff, but... 
we don't really get any illusions or insight into why no. that is. No. And and is it because the eyes are the entrance to the soul? It's strange because when they actually, because at first those ghosts and spirits are all floating around. They're not really doing anything, but then it starts to ramp up and then you get the big spiritual ghost thing that's like this beautiful woman floating right. in front of uh, uh, Miloš or, or oh, it's, sorry. it's Major Arnold. Major, oh, is it Major yeah. Arnold? Yeah. Oh, and, then, okay. and then it turns into that And then it turns into the, the the death face, yes. the death, death mask, so to yeah. speak. And then from there, it basically it burns up an inferno for the the French guy who's standing in front of the Ark. Yeah. And then starts emitting this, like, this divine lightning. And the lightning goes into the chest of the Nazis. It doesn't go into the eyes. So that, for me, is confusing, right? Because Indy says, don't look at it, don't look at it. I think it does both. So, like, it, it goes through it the chest of some, and then others, it was, like, both. It was the chest and the eyeballs. True. Like, so then why didn't it get them through the chest? Because he's a righteous man. They're up there. They're on the... And it almost looks like they're on top of, like, a lightning pole. <laughs> it's very story. much implying... It's the hero's journey. It is. Right? It's the... It's the... I mean, dare I say it, he almost is, like, a Christ-like figure. He's literally tied Ooh. to a pole. He's, like, on a pole. That's like, dangerous, yeah. Well, he's the savior mm-hmm. of the Ark. True. He's the only one spared by the power of God. Except for Marion, too. Well... Yeah, because she's... Because she's like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Far from it, from, from what we true, gather. True, true, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then he he's obviously been the one trying to keep it out of the wrong hands this entire time. So he has the power of God behind him, then. Yeah, And in, so he, he is the neo-Israelite in this right. whole scenario. <laughs> yeah, in a way. But not actually. But anyways, And yeah, it ends with the Ark making its way back to the U.S., and um, gets stored away, and gets stored away in that epic scene where it's being pushed through the <gasps> massive warehouse full of the exact same crate, like miles and miles and miles and miles of warehouse. And he makes that comment: boxes he's like, that look exactly the same. Never gonna find it. And we get that in the fourth one, right? Like they bring that scene back again, <laughs> and uh, he has that that line at the end where he's just like fools, like bureaucratic fools, like they don't know what they have. Yeah, and just this idea that. The U.S. is going to try to harness, like, the military power of the Ark of the Covenant. I know, and they say, they're like, we've got our best, best and brightest on it. Yeah. And, it's like, and he's like, what? who? Who? Best top men, is what he says. We've got yeah. top men on top it. Top men. It's like, buddy, you didn't even know what the Ark was when you came to ask me. Yeah. So where are these people? Why didn't you go to them in the first place? Yeah, bizarre. Hmm. To me, what I feel like they're going to do is do the classic thing, the classic Smithsonian Museum thing, where they just put it away and then it just gets lost. Yeah. And nothing. It doesn't get harnessed, which seems bizarre, right? Because of the fact that the Nazis went to all of this trouble just to get their hands on it. Yeah. And then, you know, push comes a shove and ends up in their hands. And what are they going to do? Just nothing. No, 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 no follow up on that. No. Just, uh, <laughs> yep. Just uh, clean your hands and put that away. And that's, that's right. Fine. There you go. But at least the Nazis don't have it. True. <laughs> it's out of the, out of the wrong hands. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that. Pretty much wraps it up for a discussion. Oh, of what about your favorite scene? Oh, oh, oh. How can <laughs> I forget? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, we actually kind of just talked about it. <laughs> so, like, my two favorite scenes actually they book they bookend this movie. I love the beginning with shock. Start the engine. <laughs> start the engine. Shock, and he's just running from the Hovitos. It's just so classic, and that's been parodied in so many things. Oh, yeah. It's just so perfect with Belloc laughing that echoing evil villain. I feel laugh. like it was parodied in Ace Ventura. <laughs> It was, it totally second. was, where he's running away from <laughs> yeah. 100%, mm-hmm. and like in like Family Guy, a million oh, different yeah. shows and stuff, yeah. right? And then there's nothing more satisfying in the whole world than the face melting of 
Major Arnold Thoth. Mm. And the scream he lets out before, it's literally like he's like looking at the ghost thing and he's all like mesmerized. And then he's just got like this such girlish scream. He's like, <laughs> like it's so high pitch, it's like perfect. I wonder how many times he had to like do that scream. I again. wonder. And then just <sighs> melts. Eyeballs just falling melts. out. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes, I don't know if this is my favorite favorite, but um, the one where I think they're in, at this point, they're in the well of the souls and they're trapped or whatever. And okay. Marion, she starts to run and she just starts running into skeleton after skeleton after skeleton. There's all these like mummified like bodies that are just everywhere all around her. And she's just like, ah, and she's just freaking out. And then I think Indy <laughs> comes to the rescue. Yeah. But um, I had this thought. I was like, oh my goodness, is this that? famous film that everyone talks about where the actress when she was filming the scene she didn't actually realize that these are actual dead bodies around her they never told her that and then i remembered i was like wait a second no no no, no. that's from poltergeist yeah <laughs> yeah so not her but i had this fun little moment to myself where i was like oh my god are those actual bodies <laughs> the horror yeah well i like that scene though because they were the mummies they were screaming at her yeah they were like so like, maybe like this like weird like exhale of like a exactly the strange thing and then there was that one where it's like almost like a full it looked like a full royal family sitting on like a big bench or something and they all come flying on top of her kind of thing yeah and I, I actually now that I'm thinking about it maybe those were the spirits those things floating around in the final scene that's all the people that maybe were left there I wonder I, don't I, know. I guess it depends on what version of the story you believe right True, if, yeah. if, if it was stolen in in the 9th century bc yeah. and, and and could have had some yeah like some unfortunate like hebrews be sacrificed with it or something when it was stolen or whatever who knows mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah i don't know that's thought. interesting because that definitely doesn't come up in any of the other descriptions of the ark with this it being like a portal or it being housing souls yeah um that just is it just seems like a confusion of pandora's box to me but yeah, whatever yeah. so Thank you guys for listening. Um, Stay tuned for Ascension. Mm -hmm. If you haven't finished that series, go finish it because we will be releasing that at some point. We're going to re-record that. It's going to be even better than the first time we did it. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And let us know what you guys think about uh, our thoughts on Raiders of the Lost Ark. What's your favorite Indiana Jones movie of the trilogy? Or, well, there's four now. Some purists will say there's only three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sort of one of those people. But yeah, let us know what you think about all this, the historical accuracies of Nazis' search for treasure and things like that. You can hit us up, um, email us, into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Where where else are we? I'm drawing blanks here. <laughs> at Into the Portal Podcast on Instagram yeah. and Facebook. Twitter. At Into the Portal One, uh, the number one on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we're always uh, active on there chatting with people. So yeah. Love to chat with you guys. Definitely. So thank you so much. And we will be back not this Sunday. We are dark this week, but we will be back next week with uh, a pretty epic cryptozoological case for you guys. Yep. So stay tuned. <laughs>
was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.